So you're an attorney and you've decided to go out on your own. Now what? You need a plan and you're not alone. Join expert host Adriana Linares and her distinguished guests on New Solo. Tune into the lively conversation as they share insights and information about how to successfully run your law firm here on Legal Talk Network. Welcome to New Solo on Legal Talk Network. I'm Adriana Linares. I'm a legal technology trainer and consultant, and I'm your host for the show. I help lawyers and law firms use technology better. But before we get started today, I want to make sure and take a moment to thank our sponsor, Solo Practice University. Make sure to check out their website. It's a great resource for solos, new and longtime solos. I want to welcome John E. Grant from Agile Attorney Consulting to the show today. On today's episode, we're going to be talking about ways that solos can use modern business methodologies in the dangerously old school world of running a law practice. Hey, John. Hi. It's really nice for you to um, come on the show. I think it's really cool that we met on Twitter. We did. I know. I've been loving the Twitter lately. Yeah, you know, that's a funny thing. I was very, for, for a long time, I just didn't pay a lot of attention to Twitter and couldn't pay a lot, didn't pay. And then last year, for some reason, I super started getting into it and it's become such an important part of my business and keeping sort of up to date with what's going on. And of course, finding, following, meeting, and at some point interviewing very cool and interesting people like you. So since I don't know that much about you, and maybe our our listeners aren't going to know that much either, tell me a little bit about yourself. Okay. Well, I am a lawyer. I am uh, uh, right now a back in solo practice. I've spent uh, a little bit of time in and out of in-house counsel and solo practice and small firm practice. I spent about 10 years in the business world before I went to law school. And so, you know, I had a business background. And and frankly, in a lot of ways, I went and got my JD as an alternative to an MBA, which um, isn't the most common path, but I don't think it's an unusual one either. I I know of some other people that have done something similar. But then, you know, you catch a lot of momentum. And I I wasn't sure if I would ever practice law. And now uh, I've been at it for a while. That's very cool. And, you know, aside from just sort of deciding to go to law school because you're in the business world, what sort of has pushed you in this direction of doing consulting also for lawyers as far as kind of trying to understand what agile law and lean law means, which has become a pretty hot term out there on Twitter? Can you kind of give me give give me the basics? I don't really know what that means. Yeah, well, let me give you my background a little bit, and it and it ties into the Agile piece in particular. So uh, when I worked, uh, before I went to law school, I worked for a software company. And at the time, uh, this was in the late 90s, early 2000s, the way that we developed software was what would now be called traditional or waterfall project management. And those are the things, you know, and, and I, it's, it's funny, a lot of lawyers, I don't even think are familiar with traditional project management techniques, but it's the Gantt chart, right? So uh, if you use Microsoft Project or, or some other tools, it's this idea that you spend a bunch of time uh, in the early phases planning the project, or in, in the case of software, it would be a release, uh, and you would go through a lot of exercise with your business stakeholders, trying to figure out what the important features are. And then you'd go to the developers and and everyone would hem and haw about what was needed and how long it was going to take and what the cost would be and, and resources and all the rest. And then you go away and build it. And it would take, 
you know, anywhere from six to 24 months to get this thing out the door. And, and, and the problem was, was that a lot of times by the time a piece of software or a product uh, would launch, a lot of the original business justification behind the features was past and, and new things had come up. And, and this was something that the software world in general struggled with. And then I left uh, in the early 2000s to go to law school. And, and while I was in law school, the agile revolution started in the software world. And uh, when I came out, I actually went back and was in-house counsel at the same company for about a year. Uh, speaking to a lot of my old colleagues and friends, and they had gone completely agile uh, while I was away. And it was fascinating to me because- And you were like, but I've been in law school and that term means nothing to me. That's right. And and it was something, <laughs> well, not entirely actually, because my wife is a user experience designer. And so she oh, okay. she also was- Moving on to more uh, agile workflows with the teams, but it was early. This is this is still in the the early two thousands. Um, so agile sure. was relatively new. I think the the agile manifesto, uh, and yes, there's a manifesto. Um, and so, what what's the you know one two three of the agile manifesto? What are the basic you know concepts behind it? Well, it's the idea that um, you need to prioritize the delivery of valuable product early and often okay. in your workflow. Well, that so, sounds like something a lawyer should need to know how to do. Should certainly know how to do. And it, a lot of the concepts from Agile overlap with the concepts from Lean, which is what you, you started to ask about. And, mm-hmm. you know, I, I think that um, in a lot of ways, they share about 98% of their DNA. The sort of easiest difference for me that I draw is that Lean originally comes from the manufacturing world. And it's especially well suited to sort of a physical manufacturing environment. Now, that isn't to say that there aren't some really great lean implementations in the knowledge worker world. And, and specifically, um, you know, speaking of Twitter, right, Ken, Ken Grady from Safarth Lean has been on an incredible run of just great, great content on there. I think he's uh, at Lean Law Strategy. And, and i truly believe that every lawyer should follow him. But Lean, you know, at at its source was a manufacturing concept, and Agile is native to knowledge work. And, you know, the the Agile community struggles a little bit because it initially was very native to software work. And in fact, a lot of the terminology is still sort of uh, slanted towards software. But what I and some others are doing is really trying to help expand Agile methodologies into other parts of business and other parts of knowledge work, including the law. So knowledge work might be a term that business people understand and people who study knowledge management and knowledge workers. and But lawyers, that's not a term that they use a lot. And talking about things, you, you know, you are not just walking into a law firm saying, I'm going to make your law firm agile and we're going to streamline your legal operations. We're going to start implementing project management and we're going to figure out how to make your knowledge work more valuable. So what do you say to them in lawyer terms that makes all that stuff clear? So, you know, my value promise is basically this. The clients that I've worked with report that they have happier clients, that they're making more money, and that they sleep better at night. Okay, so how is that happening? What are they doing? So the first thing that I tend to do is I use a specific tool set out of the Agile world known as Kanban, and it's K-A-N-B-A-N. 
And that actually sort of comes from, again, some, some lean methodologies originally. But the idea behind Kanban is that you take work in a knowledge work environment. So people that, that use their brains primarily that don't make physical things. Right. And one of the problems is, is that we have a hard time um, understanding the scope and volume of knowledge work, of brain work. Uh, you know, when you've got widgets on a factory floor, you can see where they are and you can see if you have too many at one station or not enough at another. But with knowledge work, that's really difficult. And so one of the things that I like to do with Kanban is help people make things visible and make their work visible. Okay. So a lot of times I'll sit down and, and just with a Sharpie and a pack of sticky notes and say, tell me what you're working on this week. And for every matter that comes up or every task that goes up, I'll write something about that matter on a sticky note and I'll stick it, you know, maybe just set it aside. And then we'll spend a little bit more time and I'll say, okay, so tell me in your overall process, you know, where is this? Where does it fit? And we'll put it on the wall in sort of a relative, you know, chronological order for handling a matter. So I've worked with immigration lawyers mm -hmm. or family law attorneys, and they've got a pretty regular process. Right. Although I've also worked with other attorneys that have a more generic process, right, that, that are maybe doing a business formation one day and a shareholder dispute another, and it might be a little bit more um, scattered. But we basically try to make the work that they're carrying around in their head visible and visual, and then the idea behind lean, which you're using them a little bit interchangeably, you said they're about 90, 95% the same, is that you study a process and you remove any waste, anything excess. So you're trying to become as streamlined as possible, getting from A to Z with, you know, in 20 letters instead of 24 or, you know, making it super simple. So how are we tying that also into this process? Yeah, you know, it's funny. It's 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 a common it's it's the thing that most people know about lean is that if you're going lean, you're eliminating waste. But okay. what what most people don't understand is what the definition of waste is. Mm -hmm. And the definition of waste is any activity or process or even part of a process that is not adding value to the customer. Okay, so in a law firm environment, give me an example of something you've seen where you've said, okay, well, there's some waste. You're doing this thing, you're not bringing value, but you're still going to be billing your client for it. So why don't we figure out how to remove that wasteful step or process and replace it with something where both you will feel good about charging your client for, but they will be happy that you charge them for it because you just added more value. Give me an example of something like that. Yeah, you know, one of the worst sort of uh, forms of waste or most egregious forms of waste that I tend to see, um, and I should add that I, I actually don't focus a lot on waste from the get-go. I really try to establish what I call a smooth flow. And again, this, this is a, a, a lean uh, and, and agile concept. Sure. But, you know, I want things, uh, matters and client work to be flowing smoothly from the client intake stage to the matter resolution stage through a fairly predictable set of sort of stage gates. And the biggest form of waste for me is when a lawyer thinks that something's advancing but then realizes that they're missing something and they have to take it backwards. And in lean, that would sometimes be called rework 
or backflow. And it's this idea that you think that you are making progress on something, but then because you didn't actually prepare adequately or have the right tools and systems in place to understand that this matter was ready for you to do work on it right now, you wind up having to backtrack and either get some more information from a client or from opposing party or do a little more research or whatever it is. And that that idea or that problem where people will pick up a matter, do a little bit of work, realize they need something else, put it away, and then pick up another matter, that is a highly inefficient way to work. And mm. it causes a few different problems. And number one is there's a lot of mental switching costs. You know, one of my most recent blog posts has to do with the insidious harms of multitasking. And, um, you know, there's a lot of research that has come out and it's it's been a big topic on the internet in general. But, you know, trying to do too many things at once and, and too many things is usually defined as more than two or three. Doing too many things at once is really harmful and and ultimately very counterproductive. And one of the funny things is that people who self-identify as good multitaskers are typically the worst at productivity. (laughs) That makes sense. That's very interesting. And I think most people like to say, well, I'm a great multitasker. I can work on all of these things um, either simultaneously or, you know, in order. And I know that I'm getting a lot of work done. And it sounds like maybe a lot of attorneys have to take a step back and really analyze whether or not that's what's happening to them. Well, before we move on to our next segment, we're going to take a quick break to hear a message from our sponsor. Ready to create and build your own solo or small firm practice? Need a nuts and bolts education on the 360 degree experience of starting a business? There is only one online destination dedicated to helping you achieve your goals. Solo Practice University, the only online educational and professional networking community dedicated to lawyers and law students who want to go into practice for themselves. More than 1,000 classes, 58 faculty and mentors, what are you waiting for? Check out solopracticeuniversity.com today. Welcome back to New Solo. I'm Adriana Linares, and with me today is Johnny Grant. John is based in Portland, Oregon, and he has a consulting company. He's a, a solo attorney as well. His consulting company that he really enjoys running and helping other attorneys with is called Agile Attorney Consulting. Before we left off, uh, before the break, we were talking um, a lot about understanding what, what running your law firm under uh, the concept of an agile or a lean law firm um, comes down to, and we had just left off on on a term that I really like that you used, John, was mental switching harm, which is this sort of side effect of believing that that we're really good multitaskers. So when you're trying to get an attorney or even yourself as a solo attorney to not suffer from mental switching harm and put into practice agile practices and be much more streamlined in getting from client intake to matter resolution without having to do a lot of backtracking. What are the tips that you give them? How can this um, project management concepts that we know attorneys are not necessarily familiar with outside of maybe reading stuff or articles that they've heard of, what are a couple of tips that we can give our listeners on how to become better project managers to just get a matter from A to Z a lot quicker? So, you know, for me, for my 
personal Kanban board, which I use. And, and you know, there, there is a difference. Wait, there's a board? There's a oh, Kanban board? Oh, yeah. Well, so here's part of it, right? Is, is Yeah, that tell us about the board. Can I make one? You can make one. It's very simple. Okay. Uh, and in fact, I've got, yeah, I've got a vine. Uh, so it can be done in six seconds. Oh, cool. Um, on making a Kanban board. And the idea is that the most basic Kanban board is basically three columns in a wall or on a wall, to do, doing, and done. Okay. And the idea is that it it functions a little differently from a checklist, right? Because a checklist has, number one, sort of an infinite capacity. And number two, it is relatively difficult to reorder. But if you just write the tasks of the matters that you're working on on sticky notes and put them in the to-do column, right? And this is the most basic Kanban board. And I usually very quickly will expand out to have more than just those three columns. But conceptually... If you think of, if you wake up in the morning or when you get into work in the morning and you come up with the five to 10 pieces of work that you hope to accomplish today. Which we all do. We all and you write in them and on these sticky are the notes. We're going to do. Yep. Absolutely. And, and instead of putting those on a list, you put those on stickies. And you can then order the sticky notes vertically. So the thing that's on top is your most important thing, the thing that's on bottom is the least important thing. And as you work on things, you move the one thing into your doing column. And okay. you, you try to keep that doing column from getting crowded. Oh, interesting. And again, okay. this, this is an oversimplification. I like that idea. And the idea is that by only allowing, in this example, one thing, sometimes we, we will allow more than one thing in, but by only allowing a finite number of things into your doing column, that forces you to actually finish one thing before you can start working on another. So one of the things I want to backtrack just one second, because one of the sure. things that you mentioned earlier was... You know, if you think you've made progress, but then turns out that you don't have either the information that you need or the documents that you need and you have to go back, obviously moving or keeping that task in the doing column becomes harder. So how, how often do you find that or how can you help lawyers prevent that thing that they need to keep progress happening on a matter because of someone else, like let's say their secretary or their paralegal hasn't prepared something or another attorney right. that they're working with, like what kind of control, or maybe I don't have control, but what kind of processes can I have or put in place to help with outside forces that keep things in my doing column? Sure. Well, there's two two different ways. The simplest way, and again, the way that I sort of work when I'm doing a personal Kanban is that I establish another column called waiting. And in that waiting column, when, when something goes into the waiting column, it gets either sometimes right on that sticky note or sometimes I'll put a smaller sticky on top of stickies. Uh, I've got a pretty good you got meta uh, stickies? A collection. A oh, yeah, I'm, I'm very meta with stickies. <laughs> um, but um, what I make sure is when something goes into the waiting column, um, I need to capture two pieces of information, on what and since when. Okay. And the on what is usually, I, I like to do on what more than on should who. Should you have a who? Okay, yeah, I was going to say, you've got an well, on what, but I feel like there should definitely be a who there. <laughs> but you know, when you're dealing with the who, so, and this is part of sort of good productivity techniques, is you should be making a concrete ask of that person. And that's where the on what comes from. So if you need, you know, the opposing party information from your client, 
right? You need to make that concrete request to your client okay. and say, I'm waiting for opposing party information, right? So you don't care who it comes from. You just need the information. I see. Um, now, you've asked your client, and so that that's the way that you've gone about getting it. But I think that what's key is to think in terms of the need rather than who you're going to get it from. And do you encourage attorneys and law firms, solos specifically, to have some sort of technology or software or project management tool that helps them with that? Because I noticed that you've mentioned the old school stickies, and I thought we were going to talk about modern business methodologies. <laughs> yeah. Well, so here's here's the dirty little secret. Or th- this is interesting, right? So Kanban boards are a feature of, of a few different agile methodologies. One of them is Kanban, and another is that they're very common in a, a methodology called Scrum. Uh, mm-hmm. And I guarantee you that if you walk into the software development floor of the, you know, the, the hippest startups, and I'll say in Portland, Oregon, because I've walked around a lot of them, you will see, I mean, these are, are very accomplished technologists and software designers. They are all using physical boards, or I would say gotcha. probably 80% of them are using physical boards. And and there's some attributes of physical boards that are really useful, particularly when you're learning these new methodologies. Number one is that they're really easy to change. So you know, one of the other concepts that that I like to teach um, is the lean startup, and the lean startup comes from an excellent book by Eric Ries, uh, and and the idea is that every business decision that you make should be seen as a little experiment, and so if you're going to do something, if you're going to invest in a new process or a new piece of technology or or anything else for that matter you should form a hypothesis about what is the return you're going to get on that investment. And then you should have some way, and it can be very simple, but some way to measure whether your guess was right or not. Got it. So when you're implementing something like Kanban or Scrum, you could go out and invest in a piece of technology. And actually, frankly, there are lots of free technology tools and uh, that are out there. Um, Trello is one that is mm-hmm. is uh, becoming very common, um, but Kanbanize and, and others are out there as well. But I like to prototype and and even really get early adoption in the physical world because I think that it's so much easier to change. And it also, you can do it in a way that doesn't force you to have to learn something new. Everyone can work with sticky notes and walls. There's, right. there's a very low learning curve. And and there is definitely a lot of learning to be done when it comes to, I mean, you threw out every big business buzz term that could be had out there today. So we talked about lean and specifically lean law. Um, we talked about being an agile law firm. And then you threw in Scrum at the end. So I know a lot of attorneys are going to be listening to this going, what? This is so foreign. But I agree that just understanding even how these concepts and ideas work can be helpful to a solo practice and, and, and definitely bringing value to a client. And of course, in the end, you know, running a successful law practice. So can you give us, um, just recap, you mentioned a couple of good sources. First of all, your blog of, in and of itself is amazing and has really well-written articles describing how a lot of these things and much more can be applied to law. So why oh, don't you, you rattle off for us your your website and your blog. Tell us 
again, three or four good sources or books where these terms and, and people to follow, which you also mentioned, that specifically talk to lawyers? Yeah, well, good. I made I made a list, awesome. so I'll, I'll read from it. But uh, so my my business website is agileattorney.net. Uh, I'm working on the .com. I, I actually have paid a guy for it, but it hasn't been transferred to me yet. But uh, so agileattorney.net. Uh, my blog is called Legal Value Theory, and uh, it's linked from agileattorney.net or also legalvaluetheory.com. Uh, my Twitter handle is at jegrant3. And uh, I think that's enough about how to contact me. <laughs> that's important, but, though. You know, the, the things that I think are really important concepts to know, and, and you actually hit on one good point, which is you know, one of my earliest clients uh, does business law, and he helps with, with startups. And his Kanban board that he has in his office has been a competitive advantage to him because there are clients that will walk in and see his board, or if he goes and meets with the client and says, oh, yeah, Kanban, I use one, too. All of a sudden, these clients know that they understand their mm, language mm-hmm, or, mm-hmm. or he understands their language. So, you know, as far as like modern business concepts that I think every lawyer should know about, but most have never heard of, um, number one is the lean startup. I think for new solos, uh, you know, I know Foonberg is the Bible and it's there's lots of great information in there, um, but it also is very much the old way of working. And I think that using lean startup methodologies to make minimum investments in minimum viable products and come up and and get in the habit of developing and testing hypotheses about what works and doesn't work in your business is incredibly important. And it's a lot of it is age old business advice repurposed for this new book, but it's good advice. And I, I really strongly recommend that anyone who's going out on their own in a new business, regardless of whether it's a law practice, Read the Lean Startup. Okay, good one. What Another else? one is that there's a, a couple of related concepts, the, the Business Model Canvas and the Lean Canvas. Um, there's a great book by Alex Osterwalder called Business Model Generation. And then there's sort of a related book called Running Lean by Ash Maria. But both of them have this model. And again, it's this very visual model, right? You print out or even convert your whiteboard into this canvas. Mm. And it has about nine squares on it that um, basically helps you think through what your business model is. And help you even, you know, again, I was on a, a webcast just the other day with the Lean Canvas folks, and they said, look, you really need to fill these things out using sticky notes because they're meant to be fluid. They're meant to be dynamic. They're meant to change. You want to get lots and lots of them and play with it because it's the process of building these canvases that gives you insight into how best to serve your ideal customers. That's great. Well, Unfortunately, and this happens to me every time we do a podcast, uh, it looks like we've reached the end of our time together. And this conversation is just so interesting. And I want to make sure that our listeners go back and and either listen again or write all those things down and and visit those resources, because I think these are great concepts that where everybody's slowly pushing into the entire legal profession. And I know it's just going to raise the level of everything that's going on up there a little bit better. So I want to make sure and thank you, John E. Grant, very much for um, stopping by and chatting with us. Tell us one more time real quick how our listeners can keep an eye on you on the internet or get a hold of you if they would like to. Yeah, again, uh, you know, I, I tweet a lot. So at J.E. Grant 3 on Twitter, 
I'm John at agileattorney.net. And, um, or you can just go on the website. There's a, a contact us form or contact me form that, that actually follows one of the agile rituals, um, sort of asking three very pointed questions oh, with the good. idea of starting a conversation. And uh, I love to talk about this stuff. So, good. you know, I really encourage anyone, you know, if, if you're at all interested, pick up the phone and call me or go to the website or send me a tweet or whatever, because uh, I could do this all day. <laughs> I have a lot of topics that I have the same problem with. Well, thank you, John. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks for having me. For all of you listeners who want to learn more about what we've heard today, make sure to visit New Solo at LegalTalkNetwork.com. Of course, you can keep an eye on us through iTunes, RSS, Twitter, and Facebook. So that brings us to the end of our show. I'm Adriana Linares, and thank you so much for listening. Join us next time for another great episode. And remember, you're not alone. You're New Solo. Thanks for listening to New Solo with host Adriana Linares. Tune in again to learn more about how to successfully run your new practice solo here on Legal Talk Network. The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views of, nor are they endorsed by, Legal Talk Network, its officers, directors, employees, agents, representatives, shareholders, and subsidiaries. None of the content should be considered legal advice. As always, consult a lawyer. If you're a lawyer running a solo or small firm and you're looking for other lawyers to talk through issues you're currently facing in your practice, join the Unbillable Hours Community Roundtable, a free virtual event on the third Thursday of every month. Lawyers from all over the country come together and meet with me, lawyer and law firm management consultant Christopher T. Anderson, to discuss best practices on topics such as marketing, client acquisition, hiring and firing, and time management. The conversation is free to join, but requires a simple reservation. The link to RSVP can be found on the Unbillable Hour page at LegalTalkNetwork.com. We'll see you there.